What's up, Cinema 7 podcast listeners? Before we get into the episode, I just want to give you a quick podcast update. Now, we've all been very busy lately. Chris Hawk, John, and I, we've been super busy the past few weeks, so we haven't been able to deliver on the episodes. Uh, some of the movies have been coming out. Uh, we missed Deadpool 2, giving you a take on that. Uh, we missed uh, several uh, reviews on se- on several movies. Uh, Jurassic World, I don't know if we'll be able to get to a Jurassic World review. Uh, John Kenoki and Chris Hawk actually do owe this episode. I was not able to see Incredibles 2 yet. I uh, really hope you enjoy the episode. I haven't listened to it yet as I record this. So right after I'm done editing and recording this, uh, I'm going to listen to the episode. Um, I have to take down the Hereditary episode, uh, our take Hereditary. Um, due to fuzz and stuff and background noise, I tried very hard to get rid of it. Uh, kind of my editing kind of distorted it a little bit. Like It sounds like a phone call and it sounds very sharp. Like, uh, I don't know how else to describe it. It just sounds very, it's very sharp. Uh, it's a great conversation, which is sad, too, because uh, George Beer Money, he didn't like it so much. He thought it was um, too slow, and he gave it 9 out of 12 beers for his Beer Money grade. You'll have to go listen to some Beer Money episodes to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Josh Haddock's original podcast member came back, and... Uh, he loved it. He loved Hereditary. I was kind of more in the middle. I appreciated the art form, uh, some of the storytelling involved. I didn't really like. Overall, I thought it was okay. I don't, um, it just sucks. I have to take it down due to the, due to the sound quality. But uh, this episode sounds great. I promise you. What do I? What do I mean? What do I know? What do I know? John Kenoki edited it. I didn't even listen to it yet. I just said that. But I really hope you enjoy it. But before we get to the episode. After this, I'm going to play an ad for our Audible uh, partnership, so uh, hope you guys enjoy. What's up, what's up? Cinema 7 podcast listeners, how you doing? Here I am, the pro wrestling legend Mongoose from the Lehigh Valley right here in Pennsylvania. Listen to me when I talk to you, brother. I'm talking about the great offer from Cinema 7 and Audible. Visit www.audibletrial.com slash c7pod. This is the only place, I'm telling you, the only place where you can get some free stuff. You can get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice from www.audibletrial.com. Now listen, man, I'm telling you, check it out. It's free. Even if you cancel your membership, you get to keep this free audiobook all to yourself. I want you to share this with your friends. Get on Facebook. Get on Instagram. Get on Twitter. I'm telling you right now, we're going to ride this lightning bolt all the way to another universe, brother. Check it out. Cinema 7 Podcast right now. Welcome to Cinema 7. This is uh, John Kadoki here. I'll be the uh, host of this duo review. Me and Chris Hawk coming back at you. That's right. Uh, last time, uh, I think we both reviewed something. Just us was uh, the Emoji movie. I mean, that movie wasn't even that bad. So it was ironic. <laughs> I think is why we reviewed that. And uh, this is a legit review that Mario couldn't join us on. It's kind of weird not having him here. But, yeah. You know, he's he's busy these days. He's got a life. He's got family. You know, he's doing stuff. Mario's doing stuff. He also doesn't care about the Incredibles. So. I mean, <laughs> You know, I've legit never heard him talk about this movie. I don't know that he likes it. I, I've never, you know, I think it's because he loves the Fantastic Four and everyone just craps on those movies and compares it to The Incredibles, probably. I, I mean, maybe. I think we're going to have to bring it up on whatever next episode we do. I don't care if it's a month from now when he's on it. We're going to have to bring it up just to follow up and be like, why do you hate this movie? Because I, I le- legit, I don't think I've ever heard him say anything about the incredible i you know now that now you say that i don't remember him ever talking about it like when everybody's talking about like how excited they are for the new one or whatever when the first teasers drop right. i don't remember him commenting right right you know, <laughs> what if mario's never seen it? it's like oh my god <laughs> my girlfriend had never seen it. i made her watch it i was like you gotta watch this before we go she oh loved it oh my goodness i actually did watch the first one before i went to go see it too yeah, does it still hold up really well? I still it, the animation 
I, I think I said it in the group text, but the animation, it looks dated. But it's still good animation. If you, if you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll say for this one, the animation is uh, significantly better, but I don't know if it's always a good thing at some parts, but we'll get there. Let's do it! Welcome to the main event! All right, so let's uh, let's we're not doing any kind of news that's reserved for when Mario's here and can comment on things he doesn't like. So uh, we're just gonna move straight into general thoughts. Now this isn't gonna be a long episode. Uh, we're not trying to drag things out, and I think our review is gonna gonna mostly coincide with each other in terms of what we thought of this movie. So there's not a whole lot up for debate. But let's get to it. General thoughts, Chris Hogg, go. So right off the bat, I I like this movie. This movie was definitely super amounts of fun. I do, I do like the fact that it started right after the second one. We can talk about that a little bit. I do love the family situation, and I do like uh, Elastigirl having the spotlight of this movie. There are some bugaboos. Uh, the villain and the third act kind of are not as strong as I would like to be. The, we want to talk about Bob a little bit, and, but other than that, this movie is a very well-done Pixar movie. I, you know, I, it's not like... I can't think of a Pixar movie where I came away not feeling super entertained and pleased with myself. And I think Incredibles 2 lives up to all the Pixar. I think it lives up to... I think this movie lives up to the hype, but a little bit of me was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, just to, to hit on a, a few things you hit on, I do, I do like the choice of where to start it. I think it made sense. Even after 14 years of waiting, you know, you're going to still start it there. That's a bold choice. I mean, let's be honest, that's not something I think most other studios would consider doing if there was like that long of a gap. Right. They'd have to comment on it or just like ignore it. But uh, I do think the villain falls flat, and I think it is predictable, though it doesn't hurt the movie specifically. It does just take that edge away that makes it uh, not as good as the first one. And I'll just, you know, I'll just have to excuse myself if you guys, uh, if you guys are listening to this and hear some hammering in the background because we can't edit that out in post. That's because my neighbors are working on their house. And uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty annoying today. But anyway, back to it. I, I think that uh, the movie overall is good. I do like the animation. I do like the choice of uh, flipping the script as it is. Uh, in terms of plot, and we'll we'll get into that, and talk about Bob and everything. And uh, did you, when you saw it, Chris Hawk, did you have like that little intro from the 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 voice cast that were like, "Thanks for waiting all these years." Did you get that? Yeah, I did get that, and it was I thought it was pretty on the nose type of funniness, but I mean, I don't think I needed it. Yeah, I think what it had like uh, one of the strongest openings ever in terms of like a preview day. I don't think they needed to apologize. I think people were completely happy that they just made it, you know? So, the, the intro is weird. It's, I, I, I don't think you need to apologize for something like that. Picks, I mean, when we, when we were younger, the usual wait time for Pixar movies was like, what, every two years or something. You know what I'm saying, John? Like, I don't think I needed it. No, I, I completely agree. I don't think it was necessary. But I, I, I don't know. Uh, other than that, I don't think we can go like too far in general thoughts without just touching spoilers. And I mean, it's The Incredibles too. I don't know how much spoilers matter to people, but we're still gonna, you know, adhere to the rules and move into a spoiler zone. Spoiler zone, y'all. Be so careful. What do, you, what, do you, what do you want to talk about first, Chris Hawk? Because there's a lot to talk about, and just in terms of the differences between this and the first movie, right? Uh, it's almost like they intentionally did it, but I do, I don't, I do think most things worked. But where do you want? To, where do you want to start? Uh, you want to talk about our favorite characters? Sure, let's let's do it. Uh, I think Violet really stands out in this movie. I think she has a nice little self selfishness realization reflection character um, character growth in this movie, and I think I think it, I like it a lot. I think showing how much her her um powers have grown and i and it kind of she overshadows the movie so much that dash really doesn't get any big moment in this movie so that's that's kind of a downer but i think violet having that being kind of central to elastic girl like it's kind of like a girl power movie almost because there's a lot of female 
villains. There's a female villain, and there's a lot of female supers that actually kind of frontline this movie. And I think I think that's done on purpose, and I, I think I think it really works. But I think Violet was a big standout for me. Now, in terms of the first movie, who was who was like that character for you that like led the charge? You know, your favorite character in the first one. I think Syndrome actually kind of carries the Incredibles for me. I think he's that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah, he is so such a good villain. He's he's like a fan taken to a hundred percent toxicity. You know, he he wants to covet things that she shouldn't be coveting. He doesn't like children or women because he didn't care about him because he was going to take Jack Jack and he didn't care about Mirage. Um, and he's actually menacing, and I think he does, a good villain made that movie. Yeah, no, I 100% agree, and I think all the, the family in that movie have their own, you know, specific parts to stand out, mm-hmm. uh, but I do agree, I think, uh, Violet, and, and to an extent, Jack-Jack, have, uh, <laughs> the biggest and best parts of this movie. Now, I, just to, just to touch on Violet. Her the way they animated her, it just makes her look so much older than I think she. How old is she supposed to be? Fourteen, right? Junior high, right? Junior high is is junior high middle school or is junior high high school? I th- I think it's supposed to be middle school, right? Right. So, but she looks like a teenager, right? She's drawn like a teenager. She, she looks like she's like you know sixteen, seventeen years right, old, right, like right. senior in high school almost. And in comparison to Dash, uh, you know, who's like, uh, he looks almost the same, but it's like Violet, like, grew up in the span of what is no time in the movies, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. But I, I do think, you know, she is the strongest character, but I, I think Jack-Jack has the best scene, just personally. Did you like that raccoon fight? I did. <laughs> I, I, I did like it. I don't, even if you're like, this is completely not for me, you know, this is for a different audience, you know, younger kids or whatever. I still enjoyed it. It was it was a, a big amount of nonsense, but it was a big amount of funny nonsense. It kind of does show you how much crazy it is trying to take care of Jack-Jack. And it's, between the two movies, it might be the most over-the-top thing that's done. It feels like cartoony, almost. But it was definitely fun. No, yeah, I agree 100%. Did you want to talk about that villain, John? I think I, I think we should talk about that villain. Oh, we can talk about that villain. I'm just trying to, you know, talk around yeah. the, uh, the hammering going on in my house. H- how do you... That's f- not even in my house. How do you feel about Disney and Pixar doing this secret reveal villains for all their movies? All right, look. I'm getting kind of tired of it. <laughs> I'm not tired of it. I just wish it wasn't so damn predictable. <laughs> God, the, the minute she walked in the room, I was like, she's a villain. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I knew she was the villain. I was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was either, it was either him. It was either the guy or, or Evelyn. And I was like, I was as soon, as soon as we got to see more of Evelyn, I was like, oh, oh man, come on. Really getting tired. I kind of am getting tired of the villain being semi-secret and it's a twist. The twist villain, I'm getting kind of tired of it because I had it in Moana. They had it in kind of Coco. I'm getting kind of tired of it. And it was even in the first Incredibles where it was Buddy. So I'm getting kind of tired of it a little bit. I don't know that I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the simplicity behind it, I think, more so than the actual, like, twist villain. Uh, I, I think it would have been fantastic if it was the brother. I think that would have been oh, something been. that wasn't seen and would have been the exact same plot, like the exact same twist. Where, you know, we get this, like, a dramatic, depressed, uh, too-cool-for-school sister, and you're like, she's a villain, we, we know this. And then it's him. He's, like, got this ulterior motive to doing all this. I think that would have been great, but because it was her, I was just let down by it, almost. Because it wasn't clever enough for me. But, I mean, I don't know, I, I haven't met anybody that didn't know it right away, you know, just talking to the few people that have seen this movie. Right. So I don't know from a perspective of who didn't realize it immediately if it's like a, a big deal for them, if it worked, you know, how it felt. And I, I mean, I, I can't speak from that perspective, but I personally did not like it. And I also thought the villain, while it was a cool idea, was very lackluster in, in comparison to the first movie, which I think it's fair to compare them. 
Yeah, it's definitely fair. And I think, I definitely think it would have been a lot cooler if the brother played the faux villain to get heroes back in the spotlight where they could actually do work to help his, to help his goal. I think that would have been a lot more, a lot more cooler than this twist villain, Evelyn. I mean, the instant you see her, it would have been cooler if they did like a, what is it? Uh, the red herring. If she was a red herring, when we think it's her, and then it's immediately the brother, and that would have been way cooler. I w- that would have been a, that would have taken me, like that would have floored me. Even something else could have been really cool. Is just in turn, if you want to go with that same exact plot, he doesn't know she's you know around. Like he thought she died too that night or something, and then you know she's she comes back. Anything to just make it so you know she shoved in our face and we instantly know it's her. <laughs> That's that's all I and I think that's what makes this movie worse than the sec the first movie because it had potential to be really good and then it it does let you down in the villain aspect alone and that's not making it a bad movie right 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 it just it is not very strong and I mean that's half the plot is the villains you know did you feel like her plot to to send the boat into the harbor and to make it seem like the heroes did I just didn't think that was a Big enough deal for him. I don't think it's believable. Right. But. I didn't think. I just didn't think it was a a big enough deal compared to the first movie. Or I just I do not think that's any like when they got all the signatures for the UN. Right. That was for the UN. I believe. Yeah, so let them back in. Or right. Whatever. Does that mean? I didn't know that. If I remember, does the UN control US? So unless there was a US ambassador on that thing. I'm not quite clear on UN policy. It's weird. They never really. I don't. I mean, they mentioned that supers are outlawed in the first movie, but it's almost like they're delving into a subject that isn't really touched upon, but like a brief moment in the first movie. You know, I mean, the first movie's more about all of them getting killed off, mm-hmm. and this movie's like the politics behind why they weren't allowed to do what they needed to do. There's always money. Yeah, and it, it is kind of it's kind of weird. I mean, it's cool. I do like it because it kind of expands this uh, incredible setup. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it just feels like her whole plot, and to an extent, the plot of you know getting supers reintroduced, is just like just there. And then, you know, the backdrop, the real plot is the family interaction, mm-hmm. which is great and all. But I, why why have just a backdrop plot and you know a movie as big as The Incredibles? People wanted this movie. Right. Like, you could have spent time on it, and you had 14 years, let's be honest. But, yeah, I don't, I, it just doesn't feel like the villain plot, or to an extent, that government influence plot was explored enough for it to have, you know, delivered for me, personally. I, I was just a little unclear uh, how UN policy uh, affects American policy, because if America, because if I remember from the first movie, it's like a the U.S., the hero act or something like that and it doesn't say anything about the world if i am I'm, I'm like i i no, could I, I could be wrong but it doesn't say no, anything I, about I the world i think you're right i think it mentions that you know the us did this but i guess this movie kind of almost retcons that as in the world agreed to do it yeah cuz it doesn't really make sense for only one country of a world to outlaw superheroes they could still operate very easily outside of that right. so I, I, it needs to be a world thing but, I mean, moving from the plot, I think there were some, or well, the villain specifically. Uh, what? How, how did you feel? I mean, obviously, we touched we touched on the raccoon scene and how ridiculous that is. But how did you feel about Jack Jack's powers specifically? Because there's a few of them to name. Right, right, right. He he's definitely what is it? He, they called him a polymorph, but like a, yeah. a true polymorph. Yeah, like he has. He can do like I don't. How many things did he actually do in the movie? Like eight. Uh, I think it. I think he. I think it. <laughs> some of them happen to coincide with them being like plot mo- uh, powers almost. Like he suddenly got telekinesis at the end when he pulled off his mom's goggles. Did you see that? Yeah. Didn't he? Didn't he show telekinesis before that though with their raccoon? Or am I? Or am I misremembering? I think he did it at one, like one quick time. Hmm. I'm not positive. It's. I, that one part, like, I think that was the only part that kind of made me like, oh, that's kind of a coincidental p- 
power to have to save your mom. But if he, if I, I, I'd have to watch that fight again because a lot of things happened in that fight. But from, I do like the fact that Jack Deck doesn't really have a true power because it makes him more unique than the other family because the other family's powers are kind of who they are. And we really don't know who Jack Jack is yet because he's a baby. So if there's a third movie, which we could talk about near the end and what we uh, want to, you know, we could guess what's going to happen in the third movie because there's, there's going to be a third movie. This movie broke some records for Pixar. It's unbelievable. A hundred percent. There should be a third movie too, but we'll get to that. Right. I like the fact that Jack Jack hasn't been nailed down as a character yet, and I think they can give him any power he wants when he grows up, because apparently they said that uh, children have different amounts of powers when they're younger, and they kind of slide into one. Well, maybe Jack Jack actually gets all these powers. I could, I could see that. I'll tell you, though, I don't like the demon power, <laughs> just personally. I think it's kind of dumb. I don't know how you feel about it, but everything else, you know, laser vision, bursting into flames, all that. I hate when he inflates or whatever and gets really big. I, I'm all, I'm cool with that. It's just this demon baby thing was a little bit much for me. <laughs> you didn't like the uh, Inferno? The, uh, what, what did she call it? Ah, uh, Edna. Uh, the fire part. I forget it. I can't think I, of it. But it's, I don't remember. You don't, you don't like, like he it? gets angry and turns into a, a demon Hulk baby You don't thing. like the Hulk baby, John? <laughs> no. I, it's not doing it for me. It's just too much. Uh, Everything else is like a classic power, and then he turns into a demon. Uh, I can't get behind it. You, you know what's interesting is something they never delve into either is supers that are not human. Because the owl guy actually does kind of seem like an owl. Um, forget what show kind of does that. Oh, uh, My Hero, uh, Academia kind of does that, where there's there's people that actually aren't humans, and their powers become kind of what they turn into. So yeah, it, it's kind of neat to see other supers that aren't really uh, human, but look kind of like their power. Yeah, I I think uh, the owl guy, and to an extent that old. Toad looking guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean I think you're you're probably right there in the fact that they are I don't know, meta humans almost. Mm-hmm. They're like humans but hybrid. And I mean those those characters that they introduced and you know that did just a couple things, I think they were great. Oh, oh yes. The the fight between them and Frozone and Dash and Violet might be my favorite part of the movie. Just because we get to see a lot of Frozone. And but it's such a tense fight, and you get to see all the powers c- used in a way that is just so fulfilling, and how we want to see in superhero movies. You want to see the powers. You want you know like an X Men fight. This is kind of what an X Men fight would truly be like. Yeah, it's not like a not like a Batman or a Superman fight where most of it is actual fighting. Mm-hmm. It's more strategic almost with uh, in terms of the powers being used. To their fullest extent, because Frozone just, you know, he, he has ice powers, but he doesn't use them to, like, directly freeze the enemies at, at any point. Uh, maybe, like, to lock them in place to do something, but it's more of, like, an evasiveness, and I, I don't know, I think it was very clever, and that fight's really well done, and then the portal girl. Oh, man. <laughs> Void. I, what, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fantastic, those portals, man. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that. There's... Which of the fights in this movie, uh, which of these fights are, are your favorite, John? Would it be Violet and Void, Helen and Screenslaver, or Jack Jack and Raccoon? Jack Jack and Raccoon. <laughs> okay, take away no, Jack it, Jack and Raccoon. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's Void and Violet, yeah, I think. Such a good fight. Just, portals, that is such a cool power. There's so much you can do with that. And Screenslaver, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> Uh, the the fight between Helen and Screenslaver uh, hits me in a good spot because it's 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 kind of reminds me of the first Incredibles where the first movie didn't really pull any punches. It felt kind of it felt very grown up, whereas this movie feels a little toned down a little bit. And this part of the movie of Incredibles two feels like it you know picked up it picked up its britches and like we're gonna do some adult stuff now. And it feels like Ellen 
it's, it's Helen is fighting for her life in this part. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of the movie because it, it, you see it in the mo. It's like a very tense fight. And she is, you know, we find out that she actually has like two kind of weaknesses and that's freezing and electricity. And it's just, phew, that fight, her struggling to fight, it's pretty tense for a human versus a metahuman fight. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I do agree with the tone. And uh, it was uh, kind of toned down in terms of the adult themes. The first movie is very much like there's a lot of adult stuff there that, you know, a kid would enjoy, but would not necessarily, I guess, grab the, uh, I don't know what I'm looking for, the severity of the situation. Like this dude trying to, you know, genocide uh, superheroes. Because, you know, he was rejected as a kid. That's like a, a serious thing to think about that I, I you know like a child couldn't grasp. But this movie is a dumbed down in that way. And we touched on that with the villain plot just in general. There's not a whole lot going on behind it in terms of like mature theme, which isn't bad. It's just, you know, they, I don't think it holds its weight. Right. It's a revenge plot, but it seems really not so thought out or... It's very peculiar to her type of revenge. You know, she, like how Syndrome wanted to, be, wanted to be the only super. He wanted to be above all the supers. She just wants to get rid of all the supers. And, you know, that's a lot harder to do than what Syndrome wanted to do. Yeah, and I mean, there was real, like, psychological motivation behind him in terms of being rejected as a kid and, you know, not fitting in and everything. And then, whereas this is your standard, you, you basically killed my parents. Not really, but you did. I don't know. I, I mean, we could talk about the villain letting us down <laughs> in multiple ways right. all day. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the fight scenes were great uh, in the ones we got. But what about the just the family scenes with Bob? How did you, how did you feel about so... that? I don't know if I told you this, when we first started seeing the trailers for Bob and The Incredibles, you know, we saw those scenes of Bob trying to take care, you know, being the dad, stay-at-home dad, and I was really... Doing the math. Yeah, I was really worried they were going to go with the trope of a dad couldn't handle what the mom could do. You know, there's nothing against moms. Moms are awesome. Moms, stay-at-home moms, they're, they have a full-time job. That is the hardest, one of the hardest jobs in the world. One of the hardest jobs. But I was I was really worried they were gonna go with that that stupid trope that a you know that a guy or f- like a father couldn't be able to stand it you know he wouldn't be able to live up that he wouldn't be able to handle all his kids he, and I, he finds the new appreciation for the mom at the end right He's like man I I envy you I'm really glad they kind of delved into it a little bit but it was more asking for help and not machismo ego. And so I, I, did, I do applaud them for that because I just I didn't want to see that because, you know, I, I, it's so overdone. I just don't want to see the dad struggling. I just didn't want to see it. But, I'm, but he did struggle, but he did eventually ask for help. And, I, and I, that's the part that I like. You know, he asked Edna for help and, you know, he asked the kids for help. And that's, that's a good theme for the entire movie when you are... When you need help, it's okay to ask it, but it's also okay not to ask for it at the same time. And I and I think I'm glad that Bob Bob kind of did take a back seat, but at the same time, we got to see him grow as like a parent, a hero, and a husband, trying trying to be not in the spotlight. So I I do like Bob. I'm glad they didn't do the whole trope, and we but we didn't really get to see a lot of Bob. Yeah, uh, along those lines, with Bob, uh, you know, struggling at home and everything, I think what really uh, makes that good is his jealousy. Oh yeah, that's I think that's really I good. think that's like really strong and like a good influential like motivator that we see him use to do better, just to you know accomplish what he wants to do. But you can see it like he wants to be out there, he wants to be doing it, and this whole time, you know, Elastigirl is the spotlight. And that bothers him. I think I I think that was really well done. I, everything with the family itself, I think, is very strong in this movie, almost more so than the first movie, because you are introduced to them. You don't have time to get these interactions. 
And I also think it's back that they're not hiding who they are as much. And, and they get their powers and their... We get to see the idiosyncrasies more in this movie. And I think that really works. I do like the fact, you know, how Bob tries to help Violet make up with her memory loss boyfriend and actually does worse. That, I'm taking him to the restaurant. <laughs> the restaurant might have been the foot. I thought this movie was a little bit more funnier. Was way, I think, oh, definitely funnier than the first one. Oh, yeah, it's a way lighter tone, and it actually does have some laugh. The uh, water nose-splitting uh, spitting scene might have been one of the funniest scenes in the movie. and It's just... <laughs> uh, Bob's kind of one of those dads where... I'm pre- Did you like it, the fact that Bob's not one of those dads that he didn't want his daughter to date? I, I thought it was pretty cool that Bob's... The old, like, Bob's jealous of his wife, you know, being the spotlight. Bob's kind of like this macho dad, but yet he doesn't really care about his daughter dating. Yeah, he almost bakes, bakes, breaks a lot of the TV tropes, mm-hmm. you know? It's like these TV movie tropes with dads being in a home setting that we see all the time. Mm-hmm. Even though you think he'd stereotypically fit in those, they just break them. And I, I think it's refreshing mm-hmm. in, in that sense. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention uh, Elastigirl just because she is the main plot focus. Mm-hmm. I do think she's really strong. Oh yeah, and I like the introduction of personal vehicles. I thought that was pretty cool. The her motorcycle. Yeah, and Bob's car, which is kind of stupid, <laughs> but <laughs> the incredible what is it? The Incredible Yeah, the Incredible or the Incredible Car. Incredible car. car or something. I yeah. think that just like the minivan in uh, what was it? Kidnap Halle Berry's minivan and kidnap. Well, that oh it's a character in in of itself. The uh, incredible car. Um, did you did you feel uh, getting into weird territory? Did you feel Elastigirl was kind of fan serving in this movie? There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of yeah. This is, it's kind of weird to talk about because there are some gratuitous shots of just her behind from, from this movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, well, ki- kind of. It is it's really weird to talk about. I guess I can see it. I don't know. Like w- Pixar, Pixar moms <laughs> are drawn in a, uh, a very, uh, for the lack of better internet words, thick way. <laughs> That's T H I C C. John Skanoki said thick. That's uh, <laughs> I'm gonna need, uh, I'm gonna need that on my phone. But they are. I mean, realistically, they are. And I do think there was a lot of backside shots. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what the purpose of that is, or that's just how they chose to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Fan service is deliberate and on purpose. I wouldn't say it was that, but I could see where someone could argue it was. I don't know. That's just me. Did you, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely thick. And she definitely wasn't that thick in the first Incredibles. So she must have been taking some protein something. I don't know. Doing some squats. I don't know how you, I don't know. Does she have muscle since she's Elastigirl? I don't know. I don't know how her power works. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a bit confused on how her, her body acclimates as well. But I don't think we need to explore that. <laughs> So I think the let's get back to vehicles. Her scenes with the motorcycles, with her motorcycle, was so great, and how she used her power. You know, Evelyn must have been studying how she used her power because it was made specifically for Elastigirl in mind to do these crazy things to like to split the bike apart, to like you know bunny hop it across like a two lanes of traffic. It's almost. You know, you could sell toys with that that set right there. The Elastigirl on a bike. That's that's phenomenal stuff right there. Yeah, if toys were still a thing in today's society. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think those scenes were again very very clever and very well done. It was uh you took a bike and a girl who can stretch and you put them together and made it work in a way that uh is kind of unique, you know? She she uses it and you have some cool scenes where she does some cool stuff with it. I, I really like that, like the whole uh, bike scene. 
that we get, and then it blows up, right? Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't it blow up like right when she gets it, almost right? The the train scene. Yeah, it's like we get the the scene of her getting there, then it's blown up. Yeah, she almost does some de- Batman detective like work in this movie too, which is very nice. It's very brief, but you know she she knows a lot of stuff. She knows radio frequency stuff. She knows how to fly a plane. She knows how to ride a motorcycle. Elastigirl, you know, I think they made the smart choice in picking Elastigirl as their start jump off point. I kind of want to see. I hope the third when we get to the third movie, I hope we see more of Elastigirl in the spotlight because I think. She can carry a movie more than Bob can a little bit, just because of the fact that I think she's more experienced in sleuthing, detective work. Bob's more of the... Bob is smart, but I'm not going to expect Bob to do Riddle-style, the Riddler-style puzzles, if that's a villain or something like that. I think they addressed it very well in the movie. He's an insurance risk. Yeah. (laughs) That's, uh, That's his style, you know? He's... He does think about things, but not always immediately. Sometimes it's an afterthought. But I do think it was uh, interesting to carry. But, I mean, speaking of the third movie, I think we can talk about right, it. Right, let's do it. It's, it's got to be the kids at the forefront, right? It's got to be the... You want a time the, skip, the right? We should have a time and skip. Definitely. You definitely have to have a time skip, and the kids have to lead the movie. Because we have, arguably, the first movie, Bob leading it. Right. Now we have Elastigirl. It only makes sense to have the kids lead it. Do you... And I will go ahead. So you, uh, uh, during the 14 years that this movie has, wasn't made, there were a lot of people that wanted Jack-Jack to be the villain. Where's your stance on that, John Kenoki? I was about to say, I think it makes the most sense. You, you want Jack-Jack to be the villain? I, I don't need him to be the villain, <laughs> but I do, I do think it makes sense if he grows up and he's, he keeps all these powers and he's so much different than his family, mm-hmm. traditionally. Uh, you could play it uh, multiple ways where he thinks he's better than everyone, mm-hmm. or he just feels different than everyone, and that leads him down a villainous path. I think it'd be great. Do I need it? No, I, I don't need that. <laughs> I'd, ju- I'd be just as happy with you know him not being that grown up and you know still doing Jack Jack things. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I do believe. I think we both can agree on that. A time skip is somewhat necessary i can only handle so much of jack jack i mean jack jack's great but i'd like to see what happens when you know maybe what if he can't control his powers and he gets a random power every time he fights that that would something that's something like that would be interesting you know how fast can dash do yeah we're gonna see him do some flash like stuff where he creates you know tornadoes or vibrate his molecules so fast he can run through walls are we gonna see violet I want to see them grow because we, we really, uh, you know, from one to two, you really don't get a chance to see much grow except for Violet where she can throw her force fields. And that's a lot cooler than, you know, what she did in the first movie. I'd like to see maybe Bob and Helen retired, maybe make this 20 years in the future. Or I was about to completely suggest that. I think older Bob and Helen would be great. Yeah, maybe have them a cameo in to save the, kind of save the, a moment. But, you know. The- you, can't even, you can't even reference Frozone, but he's got to come in <laughs> with them when they come out of retirement. <laughs> I, I completely, I can picture this, and the pop that would exist oh. when this happens would be fantastic. And they're not going to be wearing their uh, incredible suits. They got to be wearing their original suits, because, you know, their original suits are nice. But yeah, it it had it have to be about the kids. It ha- it definitely, you know, I I don't think Jack Jack would be the villain. Um, but let's just hope that it's not a twist villain. <laughs> can can we can we cross our fingers for that, please? Oh man, look, what if it's just a person that's just just bad? There are just bad people in this world. Let's all right. Hear me out. Okay. Syndrome, cyborg. Oh. <laughs> You know, that's something I wanted to see if we would get any uh, clearance on would be what happened to Mirage and them. Because they don't mention anything about the island, the other robots, you know, 
they don't, nothing comes out that Syndrome was killing all these old heroes. That could be, that's a big story right there. Incredibles 3 Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Dinosaurs? Oh, no, we're, go back we're to going, the we're island. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I agree. I did want to see Mirage. I thought uh, she should have at least had some sort of cameo. Uh, just like uh, Moe's had a cameo, you know. Uh, and that whole uh, setup with the, the suit made by the other designer, I thought that was pretty good. And But you obviously knew she was in the movie. I would like a little more callback to the first movie, but I don't know. Is it I, maybe they maybe they fix that? Is it a callback if it like if it's sequential? You know, they happen it's, right after it's each other. It's a callback <laughs> because it's been 14 years. Okay, <laughs> maybe not to the characters, but to us it is. Uh, we, I mean, we got to see Gazer Beam and whatever the other guy's name was. Gazer Beam. Gazer Beam. That's like the traditional hero. That's like old school Superman. He's like so boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Gazer Beam. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, though, if, uh, you know, another thing is those heroes weren't actually dead. It was like, hey, he was just bluffing. You know, he kept them all somewhere. They come out pissed. That'd be cool. I, they could like literally do anything. I'd be okay with it. I, I'm gonna be honest. I mean, they could do a prequel of when it was the Golden Age. That would be great. I, yeah, at this point, 14 years later, the movie was still super strong. And I think, you know, a third movie, whenever it's going to be made, mm-hmm. it's got to be way sooner than that. I think it'll be strong regardless of what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the, uh, that's the truth. And uh, I think Mario should accept that and like these movies. <laughs> We just got to find out why he doesn't like these movies. I, we have to address it, but is there is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up? Um, did you feel like they, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we could talk about the third. I think the third act was the, they had some strong points. Did you just feel it was a little bit too rushed? I mean, yeah, you quickly, you quickly move into it as like, oh, reveal. Okay, here it is. It's resolved. It it does move really quickly once that whole third act basically starts. But I, I again that just I keep going back to that villain plot and I think it's because that's so weak that this feels that way. I mean maybe that's just me. Uh some two two things I wanna I wanna get what you think about this. Did you think Void was so similar to Kristen Stewart? Did you see that at all? Kinda. I mean, now that you say that, yeah, I can see it. But, I mean, is that, I don't know. Is that a thing? Uh, like, I, somebody's, is that just you? Somebody said that on, uh, on Reddit, and I was like, you know what? It's kind of true. Yeah. I don't know that I'd ever associate them initially, but, yeah, I guess I see that now. Did you, uh, another, did you notice how Dash's hair was always back in, like, a cone shape? Yeah, I did. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I think it was perfect. Other than that, I think, I think we're ready for grades. All right, well I'll go first since uh, I don't know what you're doing these days. I think grades. I think wise. I got it. I think I got it. I think I got it. Uh, is this the new or the old? This is, this is the new and improved. But I fixed it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I, uh, just as a comparison, I think I would give the the first Incredibles a solid nine of ten. Yeah. I don't think it's a perfect movie. Uh, that's very hard to come by. I'm not Nick Noki. But uh, the second movie, I think I'd easily give an 8. Uh, not an 8.5. Not anything higher than an 8. It's hard for me to give it an 8, too, just because of the lack of villain plot. Almost a 7.5, but that just sounds insulting. The movie is good, and it is what I wanted. It's just I did I wanted a stronger villain just to meet the expectations the first one left and I think it just falls slightly short of that so solid 8 for me Chris Hawk take it away you know a part of me thinks that if this movie didn't come out 14 years later I think it would be a little bit received from the both of us you know what I'm saying I completely agree if I had got this two years after the first one I would have been all for it yeah so welcome to Chris Hawk's sweet spot that is what I'm calling my new oh my god 
my new grading system. So I'm I'm a I'm a grade it based off of three things: the acting and voice acting when it comes to animated movies, and the entertainment plot. So when it comes to the voice acting and the acting of this movie, it was animated. So I have to go with the interactions between the characters, and it's top notch. The reason why this movie works so well is because of the interaction between the characters. You have the family aspect, you have the villain and the family aspect. You have, you know, the the weakest part would be the villain. That's what I say would be the biggest letdown of this movie. And I think it does hurt the movie. It It's not as good as the first one. I think you can honestly say that Incredibles 2 isn't as good as the first one. But entertainment-wise, plot-wise, plot-wise it is weak. It doesn't... I. It's not totally clear what happens during the movie is instantly just everything everything bad is swept away. We're not really given a clear a clear uh, finale. I would like a little bit more on the politics involved. I think that's that could have been something where maybe we could have seen much more in depth for why superheroes like. For real, is are there people pro-hero, you know, anti-hero in involved that we've not seen in the mix? That would have been interesting to see another side of the story. But entertainment-wise, this movie is a hell of a lot entertaining. It is, it probably has some of the best superhero fight scenes this year, and I'm talking better than Infinity War fights. I just think when that's a bold statement. When, when the fights have actual stakes they are very good fights and the fight between violet and void might be one of the best animated fight scenes i've seen in a very long time it's there's tension there it's a race against time it's i'm trying to think of the word um distressing and i think it works for that the mo- it works for the movie other parts, not so much, where it mostly involves Screenslaver. Anyway, we could talk about how how much Screenslaver didn't work for this movie. But all in all, does it hit Chris Hawk's sweet, sweet spot? And I'm going to have to go with no. While a good movie, while entertaining, while the voice acting is top-notch, except for... Did you... I, I didn't bring this up. Did you feel... Like Mr. Incredible sounded kind of winded the entire movie. Well, yeah, I mean, he was, he's getting up there in age. Yeah, he, it is 14 years. Not really. But uh, the voice actor, anyway. Is that what you're saying, John? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, everything's top-notch. What you would expect from a Pixar movie. I just feel, compared to Incredibles, Coco, and there's another one, Moana... The plot is just not as strong. It's just not quite there all the way. It could have done with a little bit more oomph. And that 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 makes the difference for me liking this movie and loving this movie. And I think I just like this movie. Whereas in Incredibles, it's such an easy movie to love because it has a villain that's memorable. And I think that's what's lacking from Incredibles 2. Is a, it, I'm, I'm instantly going to forget the screenslaver. It's just, it's just a for very forgettable villain. They didn't, not many rememberable lines. I mean, we can all, you know, you caught me monologuing. I mean, everyone knows Syndrome's lines. It's just, that's what's missing from Incredibles 2. So I give this movie, acting-wise, I give it an A. And I give entertainment-wise, it gets an A. But it doesn't hit my sweet spot. So I'm just going to give this movie a like it. All right, well. I'm going to be honest with you, I still don't understand your grading system. <laughs> I mean, I understand what you're doing here, but I, you might as well just give it a grade. I don't, but we'll I let, don't give we'll grades. But we'll let Mario listen to it. I don't give grades, we'll, John. We'll, we'll, yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll see what he thinks. Uh, if I were Mario and I liked The Incredibles, I would give this four Jack-Jack raccoons <laughs> out of five. But uh, with that, I think we're going to close it up, so... Uh, make sure you check us out on all the social media platforms, uh, you know, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, um, 
can check us out on Patreon. Donate as little as a dollar. We'll, uh, you know, mention you on every podcast. There's some cool stuff there as well. Uh, thanks, Mario's mom. Thanks, Mario. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, me. Thanks, Chris Hawk. Sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> Just got to keep it going. I mean, I know you donate, Chris Hawk. It's part of, it's all part of the plan. It's part of the legend. You know, you got to build that legend. <laughs> Just like the legend of Josh Haddix. Oh, my goodness. You got to build it. Uh, and, but you can check us out on all those platforms. You can find us, Cinema 7, uh, 7, E-V-E-N, all those places. Uh, but Chris Hawk, take it away. So, as always, us at Cinema 7, we want to thank you for watching with us. We want to thank you for listening with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us. Pixar moms are drawn <laughs> in a uh, a very, uh, for the lack of better internet words, thick way. That's T H I C C. John Skanoki said thick. That's uh, I'm gonna need. Uh, I'm gonna need that on my phone. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely thick. Yeah.